establishment warned you about. Yes, it is. It's the Dr. Tom Show. Glad you're here. We are joining you live from the free state of Florida, where we are enjoying some rain finally for the year. And we are also joining you from the free state of Florida, where we are celebrating college football greatness, maybe, for this year. UF and FSU both had an exciting start to the season. UF was able to pull it off in the very end against a upstart Utah team. And then FSU also was like uh, able to hold off a uh, challenge by LSU Tigers under their new coach, Brian Kelly. So congratulations to both of those teams. And we'll look forward to more success on both of those sides so that when we have that final showdown at the end of the year, the annual Florida-Florida State throwdown, maybe it'll be a great game. The last few years has not been that good for uh, for Florida State. They've lost three in a row, I think. And uh, both teams have not done very well. But this year, hopefully, is be the year they turn it around. Florida State has a relatively new coach. I think this is maybe his third season, but he hasn't had a lot of success. And there is a new coach for Florida now, Billy Napier, who came from University of Louisiana, I believe. And um, they used to call it Louisiana Monroe, but now I think it's just called University of Louisiana. But uh, he's he's doing well. He seems to be kind of a not excitable coach, unlike our previous coaches, uh, like O. Ron Zook, Will Muschamp, uh, McIlwain even. I think uh, Mullen was more even-killed, but those other three guys were just kind of over-exuberant, and um, anytime the coaches come in and act like that, I, I kind of get a little worried. And the only reason is because the first time it came in was Ron Zook. He came in acting like that, and then actually, if you look back on it, Ron Zook, out of those three guys, Ron Zook, McIlwain, and Muschamp probably was the most successful coach. It was just that he came after Spurrier, and so it looked like he was – a terrible coach, but in retrospect, he wasn't great like Spurrier, but he was cert- I think he was better than probably Muschamp and certainly better than McIlwain, who was an absolute clown in retrospect after the way he left, claiming that the uh, his life was threatened or his family's life was threatened or something like that, and then they fired him, and it was just it was just absurd. Uh, he's living up in Central Michigan in a barn. Last time I heard, coaching football. I think they converted a barn form into a house or something of that nature. But anyway, so um, good luck to Billy Napier and good luck to Florida State so that we can have a good showdown at the end of the year and then which we will uh, hopefully beat them too. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England, has died, as you all know. And uh, she has a interesting tie to Florida, in particular to Lakeland, Florida, where I grew up. And there was a problem. There's a lake in Lakeland called Lake Morton. And it's known as the Swan Lake, and it's got all these swans around it. Well, apparently in the 50s, at some point, all the swans died. There was a problem. Something happened, predators, whatever. And all the swans died. And then there was a couple, apparently, that wrote a letter to the Queen of England to uh, ask her if they could have two of her royal swans to repopulate the area. And apparently there was a... um, a community effort to raise money to fly the swans over and the swans were flown over and then uh, reconstituted uh, the um, swan population at Lake Morton in Lakeland. And now there are a bunch of swans. If you're from Lakeland, you know that you have to slow down going around the lake and people, it's a popular place to take your children to feed swans or if you've never been there, you can feed them yourself. 
But uh, that's an interesting tie that the Queen has. Now her son, King Charles III, I believe it is, is going to be taking over. And I heard an interesting thing. It was on the radio this morning. They said that King Charles is going to uh, address the, the, the people of England, of the UK, and uh, they're going to see what kind of ruler he's going to be, which is interesting because as as we all know that the the monarchy in UK is strictly ceremonial at this point i mean i guess there are a few things that legally the monarch can do but the if the monarch wanted to like invade ukraine or russia tomorrow i don't think the monarch could do that and uh so it's it's interesting that they said that he's going to see what kind of ruler he is as if he's going to be a some type of despotic ruler or some type of uh very benign ruler he's going to be He's going to be the uh, ceremonial ruler, just like our ceremonial president. So anyway, we are having uh, in here down in Florida, we have Kristen DeSantis are now the official combatants for the U.S. or sorry, for the Florida governor's office. And Chris is apparently only down by two or four point two to four points, according to some polls. And it's interesting that that's only two or two to four points because appears to be that he's going to lose in a landslide, at least according to um, the experts. But now the polling is saying it's only two to four points. And Chris has basically come out saying that DeSantis is a bad guy. Uh, he's a conservative. He's ultra MAGA, which we are too. Ultra MAGA. Ultra MAGA, extreme MAGA, however you want to... MAGA, MAGA, however you want to pronounce it. We are the new... Uh, um, what they call it? Uh, semi-fascist, I guess, uh, according to Joe Biden. And so anyway, DeSantis is painting, uh, I'm sorry, Chris is painting DeSantis as the uh, ultra MAGA uh, representative in Florida that needs to be abolished. And uh, he's saying that uh, DeSantis doesn't like black people. DeSantis doesn't like women. DeSantis doesn't like probably children. And DeSantis is just a bad guy overall. And it's going to ring hollow. And I think he's going to have his bell rung in November and probably send him into retirement because I don't know how many times you can lose on the big stage over and over again and still make a comeback because at some point you're going to lose all relevance. It's interesting that the Democrats can't come up with anybody better than Charlie Crist, who is a former Republican governor, to run as their uh, governor's candidate. And he's this is his second time now because he ran against Rick Scott and Rick Scott was running for reelection for the second term and rick scott beat him close close election but rick scott beat christ and christ was at that point a fairly new democrat and then he became a congressman now he's a democrat been democrat for i don't know since probably 2010 since he was an independent and switched over to democrat i think it's interesting they can't get anybody better than charlie christ but anyway i, I think desantis is going to send charlie christ packing Oh, if you've been following the news, unfortunately, you've seen this hellhole of a city called Memphis, where they are having problems with people being murdered, wantonly murdered by uh, people who probably should be in prison because they are uh, repeat offenders. And the first one was this uh, guy, I don't even know his name, I don't care to know his name, that killed the woman who was out jogging at four o'clock in the morning, murdered her, allegedly and uh killed her and then they have this other guy this this mass shooter who went out and he was live streaming mass shooting people which is another reason why social media is a uh, one of the biggest cancers on society now is because of this 
desire to have uh, everything about you known, including whether when you're killing people. Anyway, so this guy is this mass shooter in a, you know, Memphis. If you don't, if you think of Memphis, I think of Memphis. I think of barbecue. First thing I think of barbecue and music. And I wasn't even aware that it was such a hellhole that it is. And Tucker Carlson actually covered this on his show the other night. And it says, according to Tucker, Tucker says in 2021, according to federal statistics, Memphis, Tennessee was the most dangerous city in the United States. Last year, meaning in 2021, it recorded a total of 342 murders. And then he says, well, how is that? How many is that? By comparison, San Antonio, Texas, which has more than twice the population, recorded fewer than half as many murders. So by any measure at all, Memphis was absolutely falling apart. But Eliza Fletcher decided to make life there, make a life there anyway. This Eliza Fletcher was the lady who was, uh, she is from uh, Memphis, both her and her her father's side and her mother's side apparently were both from Memphis for over a hundred years and she's apparently wealthy and she decided she was going to move back to Memphis and like Tucker said not move to a suburb but move to Memphis the heart of Memphis and make a life there and then this uh, piece of you know you know what this piece of crap uh, killed her and then uh, yeah it's, it's these things these predators these people are out there and then you have this other shooter this guy that was live streaming his shooting and it makes me think uh what are we going to uh do in the future to help ourselves because these people are out there despite whether you like it or not this other guy is named ezekiel kelly and he killed uh, among other people this lady who was a, a medical assistant and he was feigning being injured so that she would go help him and then he shot her if you can believe that uh, it says that on Wednesday evening, this is from Gateway Pundit. On Wednesday evening, it was reported that Ezekiel Kelly shot a woman in medical scrubs who went to his aid after he feigned being hurt. Kelly also carjacked her at Poplar Avenue and Evergreen Street and took her Toyota SUV, and then he shot her in front of his in front of her daughter and killed her. So, what do we do about these? What do we do for this thing? The Memphis message is. You have to protect yourself, despite what Mayor Bowser says, despite what, uh, you know, Mayor Adams says, despite whatever your local gun control enthusiastic politician says. The answer is not guns are bad. Let's ban all guns. The answer is there's evil pieces of shit out there. And unless you protect yourself, you may fall victim to one of these people in the future. And the only way to protect yourself easily is to arm yourself. And I know there's people out there that don't like guns. They don't want to hear about guns and guns are dangerous. And I, I understand that. But the truth of the matter is, is if, if you're able to uh, get yourself acquainted with a firearm and carry it on you most of the time, you will be able to protect yourself if and when, not when, when or if this happens to you. And these people out there are are... These are not people who are going to be dissuaded by uh, laws that say you're not allowed to carry a gun. They're not going to be dissuaded by laws that say, uh, you know, it, 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 they, the way the gun control people put it is this is a gun problem. 
you know, they always talk about gun violence. Mayor Adams likes to talk about gun violence in New York and how it's such a problem. There's so many guns out there as if the guns themselves uh, percolate through that, through the, through the uh, society. And then they just kind of find their way into the hands of people who were otherwise going about their business, doing things. And it warps them into this frenzy where they go out and kill people. No, these people are evil. These people are amoral. These people, most of the time, a lot of the time are uh, entrapped in government cycles of poverty and uh, government cycles of hopelessness. And then they are stuck in these rat hole cities and then they become violent and they do the things that they do. And the idea that it's because of the gun is a complete cop out and it's complete BS. And the only thing that can stop, despite what these uh, politicians, these uh, gun control people like to say is the only person that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun or Chuck Norris or somebody else like that who can take him out otherwise. But your only chance is to stop this person is with a, is if you're a good guy or a good woman with a gun. And um, like I said, I know people don't like to, you know, they don't like to think about that, but most of the, most of the time you could go about your life without a gun. And most of the time you can go about your life and you're going to be safe no matter what. The chances of someone kicking down your door uh, or, or otherwise accosting you or mugging you, are, it's unlikely that's going to happen to you. I tell you what, though, if it does happen to you and you're unarmed, the likelihood that you're going to survive that event is pretty close to nil. If this is a person with a very violent background like these two pieces of shit anyway um the the uh the best way to like i said is to arm yourself and the best way to arm yourself is to figure out what kind of gun it is that you're more comfortable with are you more comfortable with a revolver you're more comfortable with a semi-automatic revolver is actually easier i think because you don't have to do anything you just put the bullets in there and then pull the trigger and it goes semi-automatic. You have to cock it and everything else like that. But the point of it is, is you can become familiarized with a weapon and then uh, have that weapon at your disposal. And if you live in a state where you can carry a weapon freely, like Florida concealed carry, you can carry it. Or if you live in the, one of the other States that's constitutional carry, you can do that where you don't have to have a permit. You can just carry it. Some people carry open. Some people carry concealed, whatever you want to do, but you have to protect yourself from these people and you have to protect your family from these people uh, in particular in your home. You know, there's going to be a time soon where there's going to be more and more of this type of behavior. And the reason is because we're blessed now with Biden's uh, uh, hellacious hell on earth economy. And actually, I heard that Janet Yellen, uh, maybe it was yesterday, said that uh, all of these policies that Biden has put in place have really been paying off now. And we're really seeing the benefits of it in our economy. And she's obviously smoking crack. Uh, because um, if you've been to the store lately, things aren't good. Uh, Tracy and I were just talking about it the other day, and the price of many food items has gone up 100%. They say the official number is 8%, which is BS, obviously. And then they say, well, the real number is 18%. And it very well may be if you do an average of all things, like you do an average of salt, and then you compare that to beef, and you compare that to uh, uh, shingles, and then you compare that to water, maybe it all averages out to 18% if you're being very, very uh, uh, generous. But I can tell you for things that really matter, a lot of things like food, the price is not 18%. The price is close to 100% for a lot of things or at 100% for a lot of things. And when these things happen, people 
are, are going to become more desperate once they uh, start losing their jobs, once the economy tightens. You know, the Fed is raising interest rates, uh, which is going to make some companies be able to not be able to expand and have to cut back because they rely on loans and things of that nature to make it through credit and that things. So they're going to lay off people. People are going to lose their jobs. Interest rates are going to go up. People are using credit cards more and more often. Their credit card bills are going to go up. They're not going to be able to pay them. All these things are adding stress and not everyone reacts to stress in a, in a uh, nonviolent way. Some people react to stress in a very violent way. And, uh, the, only, the important thing is, is like I said, you have to be able to protect yourself. If this poor lady who was out running was able to have had some way to protect herself, I don't know how you run with a, a firearm necessarily, but if, 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 if there was a way that any of these people were able to protect themselves against these predators, and this guy on the shooting spray, I don't know how you protect yourself against a guy who's faking being ill so that you go help him, then they shoot you. But either way... The best case scenario is if someone violent tries to uh, confront you, that you are able to confront them also violently and in their life and in their threat uh, immediately. You know, this, uh, the other thing is so they say it's a gun problem. And then they say, well, it's because of all the guns on the street. And then they neglect to say, well, what about these guys, these DAs, these George Soros DAs who are letting people out on the streets? You know, no cash bail. Uh, if you look at the rap sheet, this guy who killed this woman who was jogging, this guy raped people as a teenager. He abducted, he uh, was actually put in prison because he uh, violently kidnapped someone as a teenager. And then they let him out early. So these people that are being let out early, turned away, not, not prosecuted at all. This other person, I think, one of these other people, uh, they were arrested, but they weren't charged with attempted murder. Because the DA just didn't didn't feel like they wanted to do that. So they charged him with something lesser and he got out early. So between the DA's letting people out early or not prosecuting them at all. And between uh, the, the economy taking a turn down downturn in between all the stresses of that, things are going to get bad. And then if you look at the justice system, you're like, well, what, what the justice system maybe is going to step in. You know, the justice system is so broken and corrupt. I think a majority of what the justice system out is, is, is it's a lawyer. Um, it's a lawyer employment is what justice system is, is to employ lawyers. It's a, uh, it's a means by which people can make a living uh, for, for a very uh, long time uh, doing things like uh, this guy in Parkland, this shooter in Parkland, Nicholas Cruz, who has admitted to killing all these children. This, this piece of crap, he's on, He's in trial now. Okay, he had he's been found guilty. He pleaded guilty. Now they are in. They're still doing this. They're down there talking about whether or not he gets a death penalty, right? So he's getting a death penalty um, uh, versus life in prison. And then I heard the other day. Well, they brought in a. They brought in one of his. Um, one of the people that interviewed him, and they brought in some of the drawings that he had done in high school. And they were looking at the drawings that he did. And then they went on a field trip one day with the jurors down to the school where he shot these people up. And it's taken so long to determine whether or not this guy who murdered people in cold blood, whether or not he should get the death penalty. If there is a death penalty, certainly he should get it. And it doesn't take four months to decide that. You can have a jury trial if you want. It just doesn't take four months. And I think that's what they said this jury trial is supposed to be. 
but the D Department of Justice and the justice system in general, I don't know if they're they're not going to be there to save you. Like I said, they like that like the old saying says, uh, when seconds count, the cops are minutes away. So when you're at home with your family and you hear uh, a rustling in the front door or you hear uh, your, your security lights go on, you're like, hmm, gee, what is that? And then someone's violently trying to come into your house, either through the window or through the front door, because either they're um, just evil and they want to come in and they kill you or they're high on drugs or both. And what are you going to do? Call 911. Uh Michael Moore says you're supposed to get a dog. That was his that was his solution. Well, I can tell you, uh, getting a dog would be fine, uh, but getting a dog is not going to uh, save your life if if someone is trying to come kill you necessarily. I know our dog wouldn't be able to save our lives. So um, the, the, this this idea that if if you're going to be able to just rely on the cops, don't you're not going to be able to rely on the cops. You're not going to be able to rely on the justice system to keep these people off the street. And you're not going to be able to rely on laws that say you can't carry a gun because um, criminals don't obey those types of laws. We just got a new sticker on our front window because there was a barbecue place across the street that was actually robbed. All right. So we don't live in Memphis. We live in Tampa, outskirts of Tampa called Lutz. And right across the street, there's a barbecue place where it was apparently robbed. And so I, I had seen this uh, sticker at Ace that said it was right next to the sticker that said no guns allowed it has a picture of a firearm with a big red X circle with a cross through it says no guns allowed. Typical thing, you know, you see no guns allowed gun free zone, which means target rich environment if you're an evil piece of crap. And then right next to it, there's this other one that says uh, legal permit concealed carry permit allowed. And it's got this green circle with a gun in the middle. And I bought that when I put it on our window up here at the front door. Because I want people to know, A, if they come in here that, yeah, there very well may be someone walking around here with a firearm, concealed carry legally. And also, B, want people to know that if someone's out here surveilling the area and they're thinking, well, maybe what's what's the next good place to knock off after the barbecue joint? They're going to come to our window or our door and they're going to see that sign and they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to make a pass on this one because I don't want to end up with a slug in my uh, head or back as I'm trying to run out the door when I hear the, uh, the shotgun pump. So that's what that's what my little advice to you is. Uh, Memphis message to you is. Protect yourself and don't rely on other people to protect you. This is the government for you. This is from the Free Beacon. It says uh, Biden administration is placing vending machines filled with drug supplies from rural Kentucky. The Biden administration is set to spend $3.6 to deploy vending machines filled with drug supplies in rural Kentucky. An effort that Biden administration's claim will reduce stigma for drug users. Okay, is that is that what we're trying to do? Is that the big problem? is that people have a stigma for drug users. The project from the National Institutes, Institutes of Health was launched in August and will study the effectiveness of, quote, harm reduction kiosk in rural Appalachia that contain, quote, injection equipment, naloxone, fentanyl test strips, hygiene kits, condoms, and other supplies. The vending machines will allow drug users to obtain items such as syringes without interacting with a health professional in hopes of eliminating the, quote, stigma that comes with visiting an in-person harm reduction facility, according to the health agency. So this is make you allow you to basically shoot up and uh, 
shoot up for free, but not but not have to go and buy your own needles. Certainly can't do that. And also not to have to visit the uh, government funded injection facility. Uh, so now they can go to a vending machine and get this done. And this is what uh, our government thinks is a good way to reduce, I guess, I guess the idea is, is to make it safer to inject. The White House referenced a project in an August 31st press release on its actions taken to, quote, address the addiction and overdose epidemic. The administration has adopted a wide range of harm reduction policies, which aim to make illicit drug use safer rather than eliminate it. So that's our government for you. So instead of spending the money to uh, 3.6 million to have drug counseling, to have um, to have uh, maybe rehab facilities built, uh, instead of spending the 82 billion uh, that we left in Afghanistan on the equipment, uh, instead of instead of uh, the 42 billion that we sent to Ukraine. We're going to spend eighty or three point six million to make these kiosks where people can go inject themselves with drugs and then uh, feel good about it without having to feel like their self-esteem was harmed. And this is uh, this is how our government views you, the American citizen, the American public, uh, whether you're the one paying for this or whether you're the one who's actually addicted to drugs. They see you as a person who basically needs to be helped along to continue destroying your life. uh it's it's well it is what it is uh what else we got here this is something that's kind of bothering me all the time you hear on the radio these covid commercials people i saw one the other day i think i talked about it before they were talking about how uh you know the safer thing to do is instead of going to see grandma you know talk to her through zoom or send them an email or something because we need to be safe and we need to be alone and we're alone together. Hashtag alone together. And I thought, well, God, this is weird. This is like got stuck from 2020. This is like when uh, Dr. Fauci first came on the stage telling us that we had to stay away from our parents. We couldn't have cookouts and everything else like that. And then turns out it wasn't, it was from now it's, it's current and they're, they're starting to ramp it up again. And uh, this is something I ran across. This is on conservative review. This is a ad council. This is what the ad council uh, is trying to push on people right now. <laughs> Wesley, well, my knucklehead brother. Oh, okay. My friend, Nuffy. My boyfriend, Doug. I have been 100% into getting vaccinated. And then I asked you and you hesitated. Yeah. There's not that long-term research out there yet. How do I know the way I'm going to respond to it? They're saying that the vaccine is 99% effective, right? Where are you going with this? 99 of those people, they survived great. Do you ask me what? I don't care, Wes. What do I do? I feel like I'm okay without it. The reasons are frustrating. Like when you say, I'm afraid of needles. You are a grown ass man. Like <laughs> you're not afraid of needles. No, I am. I know you are. <laughs> I'm just saying like everyone has a right to, to make their own decision. But why would you want to take that risk? All these shots after shots, like, I don't want to have to go through all that. Compare that to having to be in a hospital for a month. They're so, also like, asking you to do your research, to go see your doctor, ask your doctor questions so that you can protect yourself. And protect well, I can tell you, if you go ask your doctor questions, their doctor is going to most likely tell you to go get the COVID booster and uh, don't even question it. So this is, this is this idea that we're going to use the government's resources through the Ad Council to push these shots on people. When 
obviously the shots have not done anything to stop the spread of COVID. So now they're switching it back to making these people feel guilty because now they're going to get sick. And what about their, their loved ones going to have to watch them get sick. And it's funny because these COVID uh, commercials are produced with money from the co- the people who are making the COVID uh, COVID vaccines. It says the ad count, this is from conservative view. The ad council lined up 50 million to promote COVID vaccines in late 2020 and has produced many ads toward this end. They're funded by a variety of corporate entities, including Google, Facebook, Twitter, Pfizer, and Johnson and Johnson. Their website states they didn't receive any funding from pharmaceutical companies or quote political organizations for their vaccine campaign specifically, but their quote COVID collaborative is with the uh, involvement of the centers for disease control and prevention. So these, these COVID commercials, they're trying to, push this on you on people because they're trying they're losing their uh, steam with this and now they're coming out with this booster shot which is a bivalent shot which has both the original coronavirus spike protein and it has this new updated spike protein with from the latest omicron variant and it's not enough that they have it it's not enough that they offer it but they have to go out and make these videos so that if you don't get it you're made to feel bad about it. And they're going to show you all these different people who also, uh, you know, they also had some misgivings about it and how they're so stupid to even question it. Whatever happened to uh, informed consent? I mean, when you give someone informed consent, you don't give them informed consent and then also twist their arm. You know, when I tell someone I'm going to give you this medication and this is what it's going to cause, uh, this is what the, the hope for to hope for effect will be. And this are some side effects possibly side effects but you shouldn't even worry about those side effects you don't why are you even thinking about it think about all the good that's going to come from it that's not what you're supposed to do you're supposed to give informed consent and that's it quit telling people uh that you know like this article says it's not it's an, it's not unethical it's not just unethical it's infantil infantilizing and it's making people uh like they're uh um, mind numbed and, and they can't make decisions on themselves for themselves they have to be uh they have to be told what to do spoon fed everything and it's ridiculous and these these covid shots that are coming out there are they they did the study on eight there was a, i did a covered earlier that eight mice in a Pfizer study showed that there was a, a, a robust response to it. And when they say robust response, they're talking about the antibodies levels went up in eight mice. And then Dr. Fauci says, well, you know, they said, well, why, why can't we just uh, approve it? Uh, or why do we have to approve it under emergency? And Dr. Fauci says, look, we're still dealing with an emergency. This is still an emergency. We cannot, uh, we cannot sit idly by while people are still dying of COVID and not do this uh, and do this vaccine, this new vaccine in a orderly fashion throughout with the FDA's normal procedures. It's still an emergency. It's still an emergency use authorization. We still have to pretend that um, that if we don't do this today, that millions of people are going to die tomorrow when that has not been the case of what happened with the original COVID vaccine. And that's not going to be the case of what happened with this COVID vaccine. And we still don't know what the uh, risk of the COVID vaccine are because all the studies that have to do with the risk of the COVID vaccine are not done here in the United States. There's things that are done in other parts of the country, I'm sorry, other parts of the world studying these things, but we see it here about the myocarditis risk and all that, but that is to be completely, uh, that is to be completely ignored. You're not allowed to talk about that. I guarantee if you go to talk to your doctor about the COVID vaccine, they're not going to mention myocarditis. 
They are not going to mention pericarditis. Uh, they are not going to mention uh, the fact that this was done under, under an emergency use, use authorization, uh, which extends back to 2020 and it's now 2022. If it's going to be 2023, uh, there's going to be a part. There's got to be a part of. There's got to be a point in time when the emergency is over, when we can get back to reality, when we can get back to doing actual medicine. Uh, if you go into a doctor's office today, you're going to be made to wear a mask. Masking has not done anything to change COVID trajectory. The only reason I think someone should wear a mask in a doctor's office right now is if they are sick. Putting a mask on someone who is not sick is not going to do a damn thing for either helping that person not spread COVID or helping them not get COVID. The only thing it will make you do is show that you're compliant. But because that no one has come out and said from official official uh, podium like Dr. Fauci and said, look, we have now reached a point where you don't have to wear a mask. That's the reason why everyone's still wearing a mask in a healthcare setting. And then the likelihood is that they're wearing the mask in a healthcare setting. And then as soon as they leave work, they take the mask off. But it has to be done for show. It has to be done to please uh, whoever, uh, the powers that be. It has to be done to just show that you're in solidarity with the establishment, that you agree that we're still in an emergency. We still have to have emergency use authorizations to approve these vaccines. And the government still has to pay for the vaccines. That's the other thing with these new vaccines now. It's not, it's not like the flu shot. The flu shot's not free. Every year people get the flu. Every year people get the flu and every year people die of the flu. And it's likely that if someone had the flu shot, maybe they wouldn't die of the flu. Uh, that's what they tell us about COVID shots, at least. The flu shot isn't free. I have to assume that's the truth about the flu, that if, if they get the flu shot, then they won't. There's potentially some people that are not going to die from it. But people have to pay for the flu shot. Your insurance has to pay for the flu shot or you have to pay for the flu shot. But the COVID shots are free and the COVID shots are going to be who knows how long they're going to be free for. This is the uh, never ending uh, well of uh, benefit that these uh, companies are getting from the government, i.e. you. And that's what people talk about, you know, corporatism. Corporatism is this favoring of one company or one industry over the others and favoring them through laws and regulations. And in this case, direct funding. And so this is what makes people um, makes people not believe that the government's legit when they say things like that. And they, you know, they go on and on about MAGA Republicans and MAGA Republicans don't trust the government and MAGA Republicans. Uh, you know, they don't trust the justice system. And that makes them bad people. Uh, well, the reason the MAGA Republicans potentially don't trust the government or don't trust uh, the justice system is because they use their minds and their thought, and they've uh, they've come to their own conclusions that weren't spoon-fed to them by CNN or by whoever you know, whatever industry they're in, the establishment of that industry, you know, whether it be the medical establishment or or the uh, law enforcement establishment or whoever. And and the people that use their minds, they are not. Uh, they're not people that are to be uh, feared or they're not people that are trying to overthrow the government. They are people who are exercising their right to uh, think and believe the way that they want and to peacefully disagree with you. And uh, the fact that the, 
Joe Biden and all of his ilk feel the need to go on in Charlie Chris to to go on and on about MAGA people and say how bad they are. It just shows you how frightfully, uh, how frightfully uh, they uh, fear losing in the elections coming up soon in November. They know that their uh, their poll numbers are, are not good because the economy is not good. And they know that the reason that uh, most people are voting for are going to be voting are going to be voting for their pocketbooks and they have to try to change it uh in their favor and one of the ways they can try to change it is make people fearful of being associated with maga or maga however you want to pronounce it and being associated with anything that has to do with not the establishment because people like mitch mcconnell or people like uh John Cornyn or people like Asa Hutchinson, uh, those people are completely fine with the the attacks that Biden is making on MAGA people. Those people are completely fine with it if if it makes it to where the MAGA people go away, because to them the MAGA people is just the latest iteration of the Tea Party, or something like that. This uh, grassroots part of the uh, country that is doing things that aren't programmed to them by the establishment, the establishment Republicans. And they're getting outside of their uh, the, the the establishment's reach and they need to be reined in or destroyed, preferably destroyed that way that they don't have to rein them in. You don't have to work to rein somebody in if you destroy them. And so that's what you're seeing now with this, uh, this attack on the MAGA. And the reason why is because they're effective. They know that people out there are, who are voting for Trump, who voted for Trump in the past, who went out and did these uh, boat boat uh parades these thousands and thousands and thousands of boats out there those people they are enthusiastic those people go out and talk to their friends those people post on facebook if they are able to be on facebook anymore or better yet they don't post on facebook they post somewhere else where they talk to people who are open-minded and they also do podcasts and they also do other things they talk to their family and they spread the word and that is dangerous to an authoritarian tyrannical type of government because they do not need free thinking and whether it's the Democrats or Republicans, neither one of them want free thinking voters. Uh, let's see what else is there. A Trump attorney. Uh, these uh, Department of Justice, they raided Trump's house and then they keep leaking all these documents, leaking all this other stuff out and this, that and the other. If Trump runs for president, I don't know how he could effectively govern. I'm not saying he shouldn't run for president. Look, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I don't know how he can effectively govern because the deep state, uh, the establishment, uh, the Department of Justice, you know, uh, Bill Barr has been weighing in on all of this stuff himself about the Department of Justice and how they're getting so close to getting an indictment on Trump. And Bill Barr was Trump's attorney general. And so you see how thick these people are. And I don't see how anybody can effectively govern and drain the swamp, so that so to speak. I don't think the swamp's drainable, personally. Not from within. Trump tried to do it. Trump was an outsider. Uh, the only person who's going to be able to drain the swamp is the American people. And the American people have to drain the swamp through uh, voting for people in their states locally, drain the swamp local, um, through a... Uh, you know, through through electing governors to your state that maybe uh, can diffuse some of the uh, federal government's power through their state authorities, such as the way uh, our governor did down here, DeSantis. 
you can drain the swamp through uh, voting for a convention of states. And a convention of states is uh, Article 5 of the Constitution, which allows us to propose amendments outside of the Congress's authority, uh, meaning that the Congress doesn't have to come up with the amendments. The only amendments we've had to the Constitution now, we've had 27, were all voted on and generated by the I'm sorry, by the Congress. That is the one way of two ways to amend the Constitution. The other way is to get a convention of states, and I think it's three-fifths of the states have to pass resolutions in their separate legislatures saying that they would like to have a convention of states. And then you can also pass amendments through the convention of the states through the states process. And that way would bypass the uh, Congress. And that's the other way that you can drain the swamp is drain the swamp by basically firing the swamp yourself by uh, doing it remotely. Let's say do it from your your state, uh, your state and some uh, other states that feel the same way as you gather them together. pass a convention of states resolution. I don't know what the current number is now, but they're getting close to where they the sweet spot. I think it's 35 they need. And then once you can do that, you can start actually passing amendments in your states. And there's a there's a process to it, and you have to look it up. But if you can do that, then you can start a passing amendments. You can pass things like, uh, uh, you can pass things like, you can pass spending limit amendments. You could pass uh, term limit amendments. There's a lot of things that can be done that are never going to be done in Washington because nobody in Washington that is entrenched on the rear, on the Republican side or Democrat side will do these things because it is not in their interest to do them. But term limits can be done through the convention of States, uh, making the federal deficit, I'm sorry, the uh, spending federal spending a percentage of the GDP by law can be done through conventions of States. It's not going to ever be done through Washington because Washington makes their living off of taxpayer dollars. They are like a big tick sucking on taxpayers, and that's what they do. So the tick is not going to, on its own, detach from the host and stop sucking blood. So we have to detach the tick ourselves. But back to the point is, you know, they raided Trump, and they went there, and they they, they took his passport and all of his medical. This is just showing this is never going to end. This is never going to end. And if Trump goes back to the White House, it's not going to end. Also, if if uh, if if DeSantis goes to the White House, it's going to start anew. The same cretins that came out for Donald Trump, believe me, will come out for Ron DeSantis. They will come out for anyone who is not of their party, meaning the establishment party. Uh, you can put in somebody like, oh, let's see, you could put in a uh, Asa Hutchinson, for instance. And they'll allow him to govern because they know Asa Hutchinson won't rock the boat. And I think he's made some uh, signals that he may be wanting to run for president as, you know, from his governor now, I think of Arkansas still. Maybe he's, maybe he's already passed, up, passed by his term. But anyway, governor to presidency, he's made some uh, motions that maybe he would like to do that. But, uh, you know, somebody like that, if if uh, Mitt Romney had been able to get in, they wouldn't bother Mitt Romney because, like, again, Mitt Romney's gonna not going to rock the boat. But uh, if they put anybody in there that's going to rock the boat, like Trump or DeSantis or even a Ted Cruz, maybe, 
uh, then you're going to see the same things happen. You're going to see all kinds of investigations. You're going to see all kinds of secret FBI uh, investigations. You're going to see a crossfire hurricane part two against whoever it is. If anybody comes in there trying to rock the boat. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, this guy, this guy in Pennsylvania, this uh, man child, this uh, betterman. I don't know how he is even holding close against Dr. Oz. I don't know if that means Dr. Oz is a terrible candidate or that means that the, the political machine in Pennsylvania is so strong because Fetterman, if he was completely well, is a terrible candidate. The guy, he did the Bernie Sanders playbook. I don't know if everybody knows the Bernie Sanders playbook. Bernie Sanders never actually held a job. And he became the mayor of a small town in Vermont that was his job. And then after that, he went on to become um, a representative in Congress. And now he's a senator and multimillionaire. Well, John Fetterman did something similar. He never had a job. And then he uh, he became a mayor of a small town. And then he became a uh, lieutenant governor. And now he's trying to become senator. So there was somebody else that did that. It was the uh, was trying to do that. It was the uh, the guy who ran for uh um, governor in Florida against Ron DeSantis. He was the mayor of Tallahassee. That was his first job. Actually, he was on city council or something like that. And then he tried to run for governor. and But then that didn't work out. He got uh, in trouble with some uh, methamphetamine and male escorts. But anyway, so this guy, this Fetterman, though, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's not accomplished much. And now he's got this problem where he he has a problem with uh, speech processing because he had a stroke. So he's not physically able to actually talk like Joe Biden. Um, but for some reason, Dr. Oz cannot take this guy out. He may win. I don't know if he's going to win or not. But it's just strange that this this Fetterman and Oz contest is so close. looks like Kerry Lake may have a very good chance of beating this Katie Hobbs out in Arizona. Uh, we'll see. And then let's uh, see what else. I got. Yeah. OPEC has said that they're not going to increase oil production. Meanwhile, here we are sitting on the biggest oil reserves in the world um, outside of Venezuela, maybe. Maybe Venezuela has more, but I don't know if you can, if you could, if you include all of our oil preserves in Alaska and then all of the ones uh, in Texas and everywhere else. I don't know. We may have more than anybody else. Either way, we're sitting on it now. We're it's all it's off limits. It's uh it's uh you know green energy. Here we come, and we're not going to drill our own oil. In the meantime, Joe Biden went across the uh, went across over into Saudi Arabia and was fist bumping with the uh, prince there that killed Khashoggi, supposedly, and. Uh, didn't get anything out of it. OPEC actually cut production. This is from the pro-Trump news website. Yeah. Well, that's it for today, guys. Uh, join us on drtommy.com slash podcast. Any, if you want to subscribe, that would be great. And share it with your friends. That would be great too. And uh, until next time, have a good weekend. Bye-bye.